Story Matters, the podcast. I'm so excited for you to be here with us on this fourth ever episode with our third ever guest, Algernon Tennyson, a.k.a. Big Al. Al is a great friend of mine. We've done many events together over the last seven years. Gotten to know him pretty well. He, We just came off an event together here in West Georgia, and I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. We get really real, really raw. We talk about some deep stuff. We have a lot of laughs, too. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. We do talk about human trafficking and sex trafficking. This is an, uh, a big, big issue for, uh, should be anyone, but especially for Al, who started an organization that you're going to hear about within this episode that fights against sex trafficking. So I'm, I'm excited for you to hear it, but I do want you to know it gets very real. But that's what I want this show to be, and I hope you do, too. So I'm not going to... Hold it back any further. Let's jump into the show. Welcome to the YSN Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Williams. Today, I have an incredible guest, good friend of mine. We met a few years ago. Uh, he is big time. Okay. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about the, let me go ahead and throw this name at you. Let me just throw it at you. And, and you're going to, when you hear it, you're going to think famous. Got to be. That's just a name that you would put on a book. Algernon Tennyson. Not a poet, but could be. Algernon Tennyson, a.k.a. Big Al. That's right, baby. Represent A-Town Down. Y'all know how we do it. Let's go. Uh, is with <laughs> us today on the podcast. I'm so excited. Our third ever guest. Wow, man. It's like the Trinity. I feel special. <laughs> <laughs> third ever guest, man. Algernon Tennyson. Big Al is with us today. I am so excited to share his story with you. I know he is as well. He's got an incredible story. I met you. Uh, if I can go ahead and set this up. Okay. I met you five years ago, I think. Mm, may even be longer than that. It may have been. Yeah. Let's say seven. Seven, at least. Let's seven. throw that in the Yeah. Uh, around seven years ago, Al has done. Uh, he's, so Al is a evangelist, speaks all yes, over sir. the country, all over the world. Yes, sir. And at, at huge events. I'll let him speak to that here in just a second. It's huge events all over the world. And uh, he did a D now at uh, my last, well, two churches ago, first Douglasville and uh met him there he's friends with some of my friends and and that's just how we connected i've done some worship yes. events with you yes, and uh we just developed a relationship we just came up at the time of this recording i mean not even 12 hours ago yeah not even <laughs> i mean yeah. you you were on stage speaking at uh, an event that i do here in west georgia called d now west georgia d now and uh, we had al come be one of our speakers and he killed it killed it <laughs> So, Al, why don't you go ahead and tell the people about yourself, just a little bit about yourself. Tell them who you are. Um, guys, um, I'm Algernon Tennyson. I'm the founder of Awaken International Ministries. Um, I have a beautiful bride, and, uh, and we have two boys that we have adopted. And um, I grew up in Conyers, Georgia. That's right, C-Town, mm. baby. C-Town. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in a family of six, and um, single mom, well, uh, my father died when I was a little bit over a year and a half, and so mom was left to raise six of us. And uh, and we grew up partially in Macon, Georgia, and then most of our lives in Conyers, Georgia. And uh, and that's why I was introduced to the gospel, man, was in Conyers, Georgia. Wow. And then you started, I think it was, you've been doing this 25 years? Is yes, sir. I've been doing this full time since 1994. Wow. 1994 is when we started Awaken International. It wasn't called Awaken International then. It was called Sold Out Ministries, but we tr changed the name 
decade later to Awaken International, but we've been doing this ministry since 1994. 1994. Yes, sir. Now, you, you, I can't imagine, unless I'm wrong, I can't imagine it started off as, as hot as it is right now. I mean, you started off as big as you are right now. You know, right now, I mean, you're at tons of Clayton King events and all over the place. How did that progress how did you get to the the level that you're at right now as far as traveling speaking definitely by the grace of god um i always wanted to be um a basketball player and i was decent um but uh man god had other plans bro it was crazy and uh, i actually um got out of the navy in 94 and was looking for somewhere to plug in serve kind of maybe like being a associate youth pastor while I tried to figure out school and all those things and I actually got wind of there was a church maybe looking for a possible associate youth pastor so I went into that church but as soon as I walk in <laughs> six four three hundred pound black man let's just say I didn't get the I didn't get the assistant youth pastor job but they offered <laughs> me the custodial job so okay. my pride wanted to use some choice non-godly words and uh, but the Holy <laughs> Spirit said boy you broke and um, get over your pride so um, I ended up becoming their custodian for about five years. And in that five years, I met my best friend, a guy named Judd Henley, who was the youth pastor. And uh, he started using me to do Wednesday night's camps. And it was after one of his camps, we had an amazing move of the spirit. Kids getting saved, it was awesome, but something didn't sit right with me. I felt like a pep rally minister. Like kids make these decisions to follow Jesus and then... They don't do anything with it. Mm. Everybody stays jazzed up on Jesus for about a week, and then they go right back to the world. It makes it makes our faith look laughable. And it was at that point that I went to my buddy and said, "Man, this." He was like, "Man, what's wrong? Camp went great." And I said, "Yeah, but I've seen this before, and these kids make promises to the Lord. What about discipleship? I'm a firm believer, Austin, that you shouldn't separate evangelism and discipleship." Right. They go both in. That whole theory, evangelists come in and we wreck everything and leave for you pastors to shovel all the mess we leave. Mm. I just don't, I don't see that biblically. And so I don't think you can say you're an evangelist who doesn't have a heart for uh, discipleship. Right. And, uh, and so I, I don't know, his youth group maybe was 80 at the time. And so I made a challenge to that 80 kids. Or it was more than that at the camp. So maybe there were 120 kids that came to the camp. I made a challenge to them and said, hey, how many of you, would like to do a personal um, discipleship time with Big Al, and um, and ten kids responded. Wow! And that's when I started sold out. Mm. And from those ten kids, four and a half years later, I had over twelve hundred kids. And so, and that's where my name began to. But during that whole time, I was still just a, a custodian at the church where those kids were. I was their custodian, but I was their guest speaker. And it was through that that I started the ministry sold out that was just to be a discipleship ministry. And from those 10 kids, they started reaching everyone and their mama in the community, and it blew up overnight. And wow. that's how I began to get a name. People gave me all the credit for it, but ultimately it was about me investing in 10 young people from their ninth grade year to their 12th grade year. So I gave them four years of my life and said, I'm not going to date. I'm not going to do anything. For these four years, I'm going to pour myself into you guys so that maybe you guys will bear fruit and show people that our God is is lasting. He's not just a fad or a trend that Jesus will sustain you. He's not just a D now high or a, a week of camp high. This is a God that will sustain you through life. Wow. And that's when people begin to call me and say, will you come 
share your story. How do you grow a mega youth ministry? I'm like, I don't know. Just love on some kids. I don't have a formula. I didn't have five steps to growing a mega youth ministry. <laughs> I just wanted to love some If only some it were kids. that easy. Yeah, I just wanted to love some kids. It was the most ghetto setup you've ever seen. We had a guy on acoustic guitar, and I preached, and that was about it. Wow. That's all we did. And God, with his sense of humor, just kept growing it. I was in my early 20s. I was butchering the gospel at times. I didn't know what I was doing. But I was willing to make a fool of myself if maybe some kids would come to know the Lord. I love that. I, th- I think that's the mentality all pastors should have is I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to make some people uncomfortable to reach people. and I, Including ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And you absolutely kill it, if I can, if I can just say. I mean, every time we've met, it, it seems to go very well. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in, in the ministry that you're speaking to. I know yes, I, I've been a part of leading worship when you uh, spoke at an event in Douglasville. Yes. And just Killing watching it on them drums, man. Yeah, I remember right. that. Retired. You, you had a little shock of Zulu in it. <laughs> Africa. Yeah, it's gone now. I lost that. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, you, you definitely, every time I see this crazy response, and not even just like this, you know, what you might be expecting, but it's also this kind of, people come up and they ended up loving the event as a whole because of the speaker as well. Cause a lot of what you see with teenagers is they come for the worship and they sit and they wait for the speaking to be over. Yeah. They kind of tolerate the speaking. They tolerate it. And, and I've tried in the last two years, I've led this event and summer camps. I've tried to make it a very intentional thing that the speaking is as big of a part as the, it is the worship. It's a part of it. Yeah. And uh, so having someone like Al there, you is has been incredible. What what is it that you've seen when you do these events? What do you think in particular it is? Now, obviously, it's not some formula, but like you said, you know, you got to love on some kids. But what is it that that formula, or, or not even the formula, but the um, that it factor? Where when you get there, it's not just like a one and done, and, and yeah. maybe they'll get you again in three years. What is it that keeps people coming back to say, "Hey, Al, come back to my event next year. Come back to my event." Next Man, that, year. that's a great, great question because. I didn't originally start out doing the right things. I mean, I learned from the way I learned. And and 25 years ago, it was just a lot of feel good, uh, you know, emotional. Tell them how awesome they are and God's going to hook them up. They're going to get in the varsity and they're going to date the prom queen. And, you know, the star stud's going to, you're going to marry him. It was like a whole bunch of hype. But on the flip side, you, we know that's not real life. Yeah. All the disciples were martyrs. They all lost their life. There was intense suffering in the Bible, but for some reason, we just didn't want to share that. Well, for some reason was we know it's, it's, it's a hard way to grow a mega ministry, mega church, whatever, when you're preaching the full gospel, because a lot of it's just really not exciting. People yeah. are suffering and being persecuted. And I, hey, I played the game early on because youth pastors wanted hype. Yeah. They wanted hype in those days. Sure. They wanted a lot of numbers because, you know, it was all about numbers in those days. They wanted to count how many got saved and all this stuff. And so people would ask me, how many did you lead to the Lord? And if last year's speaker led 50 and I only saw 10 kids get saved, to them he was way more gifted. Mm. So you felt all this pressure to, to get a lot of numbers. And, uh, and I just finally had this epiphany and this revelation from the Lord that I was selling out oh, wow. more to people than I was to the Lord. And I thought, Lord, I'm just going to start being transparent because I love you, but I am still a mess. Mm. And I need for people to see that God's not looking for the perfect. He's using imperfect, messed up people like me to proclaim his gospel. And I think when I started being transparent, kids liked it. Yeah. 
they may have felt good with the feel good messages, but they felt more real, like relatable when I shared real stories like, hey, man, I love Jesus, but I want to knock my neighbor out. They're like, man, you're crazy. I say, yeah, but you know you want to do that to your classmate. And I'm like, yes, I love the Lord, but Tracy's still fine in school, and and I got to pray every time I see her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, brother? I was like, yeah. ooh, Lord, you did good. And so when I was real with kids, and I thought, but even though I'm real, God helps me in my realistic things, dealing with hormones, dealing with desires, dealing with my frustrations, dealing with my insecurities, he is able to sustain me through those things. It wasn't just hype, hype, hype messages. It was a God who could meet you in your everyday. Mm. And I think kids like that because, like you said, they were always excited for the worship. Mm-hmm. Bring in my day. It was like bring in jars and clay or third day. And back, and that's, I'm dating myself who? how old I am. Yeah, I know. <laughs> DC talk. And um, What's that? So it was always about the band, but everybody always hated the teaching. It was like, oh, here comes the Bible time. Right. We were having fun till we had to talk about Jesus, that guy. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just wanted to give the kids something relatable because that's what I would have wanted as a teenager. And lo and behold, I thought, man, these youth pastors are never going to invite me back. You know, they want results and they want fun and hype. And I thought, I'll lead that up to them. Y'all can throw balloons and slippery watermelons and stuff and let me be about the gospel. <laughs> And lo and behold, the kids started responding. And I think that put pressure on the youth pastors to say, maybe we won't have as many results this time because they ain't hyping, hyping, but we're getting more depth in their walk. And to me, the greatest form of evangelism isn't just an evangelist coming in, sharing the gospel, people get saved. The greatest form of evangelism for me to encourage believers already. Mm. Because when I leave to go to the next event, I won't be in... Villarica. I wouldn't be in Douglasville, but those teenagers will, and they can go back to their school and reach five times more people than I ever could have reached in one weekend. Yeah. And so I realized I was doing myself a disservice as an evangelist to not in, not also reach the lost, but encourage the saints to grow in their passion for the Lord. There's nothing more contagious than a passionate follower of Jesus. Mm. I mean, seriously, nobody wants to hang around a Christian who doesn't even seem to like Christ. He's <laughs> like, mm-hmm. dude, you don't even seem like you like him. So <laughs> I'm miserable enough lost and going to hell. Y'all mm-hmm. living like you are. Y'all don't seem to like this God that you say loves you. And so I want to see some passion in the kingdom. I want to see it not be an oxymoron for Christians to actually like Christ. What are some, because when I see you at these events, like I said a minute ago, I mean, there is something to it. And I've, I've done, one of the cool things is I, I get to do a lot of traveling and speaking as well, but nowhere near what you do. And when I go, I, I try to be as intentional as I possibly can, let them know that like I, I want this to be a partnership. I don't yes. want this to be a one and done. Yes. I don't ever want to not see your church again. That's right. And yeah. so when I when I leave, it is a lot like that. I don't want to be the guy that comes in because I'm the guy they had to have come in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And so when I go, and I know we're only – you know, and that's why I wanted you on here because it does matter. People hearing this side of of the ministry, yeah. Because a lot of it is like, hey, we brought in this guy. He's hype. He's funny. He he can bring it. And then uh, you know, maybe next year we'll have someone else come in that's hopefully just as hype or just as yeah. So it's cool to hear you say, you know, it's it's more about the intentionality behind what I'm saying and reaching those that have already quote unquote been reached. Yeah, re reaching them almost. Uh, because watching what happened at D now this year, I mean, I mean, just yesterday, these kids are still they're going to keep talking about yes, sir. that message. Yeah. More so than just Big Al. Yeah. They're going to be talking about the message within. Yeah. Because have I done my job, um, Pastor Austin, if all they remember is some funny jokes 
and that I like to say chocolate, white chocolate, and caramels and cut up with them. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately about the gospel. Yeah. That's what's going to stick with them. We want to give them a holistic view of the gospel, a, a God who can sustain you in every aspect of who you are, not just in one area. And so you have to paint that picture to them because if you keep spoon feeding them, they'll keep acting like children. Yeah. Uh, America's the only culture I know there are others maybe the UK where we treat teenagers like they're babies but God had a teenager carrying the son of God in her and I'm like interesting he a teenage girl births the savior but we treat teenagers like they're on Gerber you know they're like they're babies and they continue to to live and act like babies when God used a bunch of teenage boys and called them disciples and later grew the kingdom to a group of young guys who turned the world upside down yeah yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, I'm 100% with you. That's why, and this is kind of an age-old, you know the uh, when people say sticks and stones break your bones, but, and then we always go back to, yeah, but that's not trust the biggest lie on the planet. You've heard that a million times, right? Yeah. It's the same thing when it comes to this, this kind of little saying where they say, teenagers are the future of the church. Well, that kind of age-old saying that that kind of counteracts that is no, no, no. They're they're the church they're of the now, church now. Yeah. and so it's cool to see when we're at these events. You got five hundred plus students with their hands up praising Jesus. They might not have the money to tithe the way that an adult does, but they're given their worship sometimes more so Absolutely. than an age-old Christian. Absolutely. And so it's so cool to see that. And and when you bring that that. Um, your word coupled with the worship that's there, and you combine these two things. I mean, when Kyle, this one-two punch we had this week with Kyle oh, and then leading worship, our first guest, Kyle leading worship, big man, that Al white boy in. can bring it. Man. He can bring it, can he? <clears throat> that white boy can bring the oh, heat. What is it for our listeners? Go ahead and tell everybody <clears throat> what it is you call Kyle Edenfield. Kyle, I call him Clark Kent because <laughs> that Joker looks like Superman, and uh, <laughs> he really does. I call him Clark Kent, man. He's got a good, he's got a good attitude too. He takes it and my and wife, strive. your wife, and Kyle's wife all just rolled their eyes just uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle's blushing. That's so funny. I want something that uh, I've always wanted to ask you because, again, and our listeners know this. This is a perspective-driven podcast. Yes. We want to know the perspectives of our listeners, so or of our uh, listeners and our guests. When you do these events, yes, does it ever sink in when you're standing in front of ten thousand people, and you go home that night? Because I now, you know, I probably the most I've ever done. Is, let's, let's say a thousand. I go home that night and I sit in my bed and it's dead quiet. And all I think is, did I, did I, why me? Yeah, did I just do that? Yeah, I can't imagine when you when you add ten thousand. Yeah. And I know you do these events. Tell. Yeah. Put these these <laughs> listeners show. Tell them exactly what it is that mindset that yeah. you go through. It's amazing because to me, I love doing the bigger events, but my real heart is intimacy Mm. because I grew up not having, how can I say that deep relationship, those father figures, those deep, those deep intimate relationships that poured into you. So to a fault, I crave relationship, personal relationship. So I'm not the type of speaker when I'm doing hearts on fires and strength to stands and we got eight and 10, 12,000, all the, it's wonderful. And I'm working with Crowder and, and Andy Minio on the crane. I'm loving it. It's wonderful. But I, they'll tell you, I'm not the guy who wants to go hide in the green room. Mm. And so I'm out at my table. I'm mingling with people because I'm an evangelist. 
yeah. you can't be an evangelist if you don't like people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm not upset with people for being crazy. I got a job because people are sending it up. <laughs> and so I'm not rejoicing in their <laughs> sin, but I got a purpose because there's some messed up people on the planet, including me. Yeah. And so when I do these type of events, I I just look at it as I do not want to sell these people short because of any distractions that I may be dealing right. with. Because that's that's not they they deserve better, yeah. and I don't want to be a stumbling block to anyone um, coming to hear from the Lord. So I try and, and picture it as God's given me one person to to reach, even if there's ten thousand out there, so I can value each one of those precious souls. We always say He leads the ninety nine for the one. Most normal shepherds would never do that. They never. That's why he said, "I'm a good shepherd." Would never leave ninety nine for one. Why are you gonna leave the majority of your your business or whatever for one? And Jesus said, "Because I'm different than all." Mm. He values each one that much. So even when you're in a crowd, you got to see it as these are each individual precious, precious commodities to the Lord that He died for each and every one of these unique, amazing, and beautiful creations. And and if you ever get used to it, Austin, that's the day that I pray God would take it away. But from wow. me, at least, yeah. if ever I start thinking it, taking it for granted, thinking I've arrived, I remember growing up hungry. I remember being poor. I remember not knowing where we're going to live. I, re- I remember being distracted in class because I, my stomach's making noises because I couldn't eat. I remember hating summer because I at least knew two meals a day were gone because we got free breakfast and free lunch. Oh, wow. I remember those things. And I'm like, I'm grateful because I know who has provided for me. It hasn't, it's been the Lord almighty. He's been Jehovah Jireh. And so it, it's mindful to me of everything God has done for me. So it keeps me from getting an ego or thinking I'm someone special. I'm not, yeah. I'm just a servant of the Lord. And I tell my six year old all the time. I said, all daddy is, is a professional servant mm. and being an African American, being a black man. Let me just put it that way. Being a man of color, a lot of people don't like to hear that from me. Don't you say that because of slavery. What? I am a slave to Christ and a mm. slave to others. And I have no problems saying that, that I've made myself a bond servant or a bonded slave unto Christ, therefore unto others. Because Jesus is not physically in front of me, but Pastor Austin is. Mm. So how can I show the Lord I love him? By making myself a slave unto you. Whatever it takes for you to see the goodness of the Lord and experience the the fullness of the gospel, I'm willing to do it. And I don't care what other people think about me. I just want to know that I'm a man who's pleasing my Savior more than I'm trying to be cool with culture or anyone else. Wow. Yeah. That'll preach right there. I don't know if you've ever been a preacher, but that, that'll preach. <laughs> man, I love that. Uh, it's really cool. It's really interesting to see because this come up that, that you're on, and man, I love watching it. And, and being, I mean, even a small part of it, just being your friend, getting yeah. to see exactly everything you do. And I know you were telling me before our D now, you were talking to me about some of the events that you've been able to do. Yeah, it's and, been pretty amazing. Uh, man, it's so cool to see. Yeah. So what's one that really stands out to you? Um, I guess the one that's most recent was um, Strength to Stand with Scott Dawson and those guys out of Birmingham because it's the most recent big one I've done. And I got to team up with Crowder again. And uh, But this is the first time we actually talked like after the event. So we spent a good 45 minutes afterwards really just getting to know each other and just bonded. There was, there was just a connection. And a couple of years ago, I had that same kind of connection with Tadashi because you see these guys, but you wonder, are they legit? 
you wonder, mm-hmm. do these guys, what they're singing match who they really are? And, and I'm, I'm not naming bands, but it isn't the case with all of them. Sure. <laughs> but every now and then you meet these people like a good buddy of mine, Jeff Owens. He's in a band called 10th Avenue North. Those dudes love the word. Mm. Him and Mike, those guys will talk Jesus with you all night long. <laughs> And I love that because a lot of band guys are just weird. You know, they'll get up on, you know, I'm just being honest. They'll get up on the stage and they can sing and play. They're articulate. As soon as they drop those mics and guitars, they're the most strange cats on the planet. So it's great when you meet some guys who can actually have normal conversations yeah. afterwards. And, and it was great to have that with um, with Crowder and, and with 10th Avenue North and with Tadashi and, and with Flame, I did a thing a few years ago with Flame, and he was just real. Man, you think, man, you're all over the place, and you you, you kind of get this starstruck when you meet some of these guys. But they're like, hey, man, stop all that, dude. I I'm just a servant of the Lord, just like you are. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Those are the kind of guys I want to connect with. That they don't have this diva mentality as if any of us offer anything to the kingdom. Yeah. God can take a homeless guy off the street right now and make him more articulate than all of us. Yeah. And so we can't ever think, well, the kingdom needed our talent. And God's going, oh, really? I'm going to go ahead and get this donkey and um, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> and right. Let, let him preach a sermon. I'm going to go ahead and get Shrek, Shrek's best friend, and he's going to preach a sermon better than you ever could. So it's just the perspective of, of how awesome the Lord is. And he he uses us out of his kindness, not because he he we are you know we validate his awesomeness in any way you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love that perspective. I think it's interesting too. Whenever I see uh, these guys, and it's not again, I don't want to generalize. It's not everybody, but a lot of these evangelists that you meet. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the band guys too, because you're you're exactly right. I mean, I play drums for a lot of them, and and I, I see exactly what you're saying. But some of these evangelists too. Uh, they almost have the desire, it seems to me, and I could be dead wrong because I'm not. Come on, man! You said with perspective. Let's keep this podcast on the real. We're gonna, or we're going to keep it real. I, keep it's it just real. it's interesting from my end because I'm not a full time evangelist by any means. I'm yeah. a full time pastor who gets to go and evangelize every now and then. Yeah, and I try my hardest, and I, I am, I am, I feel like I'm still a novice to the game. I'm 26 years old, right? I, yes. I've, I've been doing this for seven years. And I am trying to soak up anything I possibly can. Always be a student in any situation. Learn from any single person, business owners, pastors, evangelists, so on. And every time I, some of these evangelists I meet, I, I want to tell them, like, I feel like you're doing it wrong. I mean, you've, you've blown up, you've got a huge following, but I still feel like you're doing it wrong. Because a lot of them, they'll get to this point where it almost seems like they want to be a one and done. Yeah. They'll show up, do their thing, go hide in the green room, sign yeah, some stuff, and exactly. leave. And then, and then there's no connection there yeah have you seen a lot of that on the road oh my goodness are you kidding i've seen a ton of it but to their credit i i I, now that i'm doing those venues it's easy on the outside looking in to go aren't they more personable but once you get there you realize even in christendom we have celebrity ministers you say absolutely andy stanley matt chandler you know, um, Francis Chan, whoever you, you know, whoever it is, Keller, whoever these people go crazy. Yeah. Like they're rock stars in the faith. Every other month, Matthew Cato's writing a new book. My goodness. I mean, how many <laughs> books can you write in your lifetime? It's like he's got a new one every month. And, uh, and so it's like anything he says, people are going to buy. And so if you keep a certain level of distance, even in Christendom, it, even Christians make you seem like you're more valuable. Yeah. 
But when you start to make yourself more approachable and reachable, they tend to lose respect for you because, like, oh, man, he's going to come over and talk to me. He's going to. But I don't care if they, yeah. they begin to devalue me that way because my value and my worth is in Christ. Yeah. It's not in what they say about me. And so a lot of times, if you keep that distance, it makes people more intrigued by you. Mm. Man, they're in the green room. Oh, my goodness. If I get to talk to Crowder and Tomlin and Cray and yeah. this big-time pastor, oh, my goodness, there's Pastor Furtick and all. And, and people got these celebrities. And if you keep a distance, people feel they, – they, they almost look at you like a secular – It's like when you make yourself unavailable, it makes, it makes you more, more – more desirable. Yeah. To make yourself unavailable makes people more, makes you more desirable. It gives you a secular celebrity feel to That's you. interesting. And they're like, oh my goodness. Oh my God, was that Brad Pitt we just saw? And the paparazzi and stuff, they don't want to go and, and film somebody that's available. You can see all the time. They drink, they're at Starbucks every day. They want to go find that celebrity that's hard to touch. Yeah. You don't ever see them. They're hiding. Yeah. It's the same way in Christendom, but I don't care. Uh, I, I make myself purposely available. And I know there have been times where people felt I was showing them up. Like, bro, we're all back here in the green room chilling, and you're out at your table making us all look bad. I'm like, well, if that makes you look bad, then get out of the green room because mm. I'm not changing it for you guys. Y'all are used to this. I'm not. Y- y'all, like, we've been here, done it. I'm sitting here going, am I really here? Yeah. After 20-something years, yeah, you're still here. Do these people realize how I'm, I'm messed up I am? Right. And I'm only here by the grace of God. And so I'm humbled that God has allowed me to get to this position. But it's all for his glory. It's not for mine. And uh, and so at any time, if he takes it away. So the problem with having that mentality, it makes me wonder, what if it begins to decrease our status, our speaking engagements? We don't have as big a platform Will we still say he's as good when only a hundred people come to hear us speak? Wow. Versus ten thousand. Yeah. And if you get used to that crowd, you can almost base your identity off of that. Mm-hmm. Hey man, I've arrived. I'm really successful because ten thousand people are coming. What if cause eventually everybody gets old. Eventually, even if you're good, ten I mean third day's good, but they're not nearly as popular as they were twenty years ago with me. But they're mm. still around, but yeah. people want new stuff. So eventually we're all going to get old. No offense, but Toby Mack is a friend of mine. He's like 51 or 52. How many more years do you want to see that dude in some skinny jeans jumping around on stage with some teenagers? <laughs> right, right, right. Eventually his knee's going to give out. He's going to be jumping <laughs> one day and the knee going to pop because God just allows you to age. Nobody wants to see a 70-year-old man in skinny jeans Trying to act cool with some teenagers. Flailing around a strobe light. Yeah, yeah okay. and, and, and his dentures pop out when he's trying to worship the Lord. Nobody yeah. wants to see that. What are you going to do then? And so I'm already there trying to get that mentality of I am nothing apart from Jesus. Yeah. And everything I am is because of the Lord, not because I brought some talent to the table. Because I don't really feel like I have a ton of it. God just maximizes with the talent he's given me and he gives people compassion and for me, but it's really more about the Holy spirit moving and not about Algernon. So I make myself available and not try and play hide and seek so that I can be more valuable in people's eyes. It's a trap. It's a trap. A lot of people get themselves into. And a lot of these guys that I know who were once big, if you could see where they are now, they were once on Caleb and Christian radio and they were booming, but their time was gone. They're very bitter. Mm. Almost like an athlete who's who's relegated to who he used to be. Mm. And now he's got to see these new young guys balling. And he, he put all of his identity in that. 
And now that's gone. Yeah. And he's like, well, who am I now? I'm nobody. Yeah. Because nobody's worshiping me and telling me how awesome I am. When really there's a God who's awesome who's saying, I can tell you how amazing you are. I sent the greatest thing I had, Jesus Christ, to die for you. That makes you priceless. Wow. Yeah. Let's look at the other side of that. Okay. Because, you know, from the evangelist, absolutely. You want to make yourself available. You want to make yourself uh, someone, you know, not everyone does like we just discussed, but you in particular and other friends of mine, shout out Eric Fuller, who love to make themselves available that will go out and be in the midst of worship. I stood next to you during worship at yeah. this event and you were singing yeah. just as loud yeah. as the band harmonizing. I you, wasn't in the back room, right? No. Chilling in the not green. one time. I, I don't think. No. I think you came to the green room once. Yeah, because y'all took me back there. Otherwise, I didn't know where <laughs> it was. That's my bad. I didn't know. I didn't know where it was. They said, like, hey, man, come see the green room. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go see what it is because I get thirsty. But I, I didn't even remember where it was, so I never went to the green yeah, room. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Not even no. what You were either at your table or uh, you were out or saying out. hello to everyone, or and you were definitely in worship yeah. the whole time. Stand, I stood next to you the whole time, or as long as I could. You know, I'm running the event, so I'm running around. But standing next to you while you were worshiping, I was so encouraged because – Last year, our speaker at this particular event, Eric, did the same thing. Was yeah. never, ever in the green room. He worshiped with us. Amen. He spoke with us. And I, I how blessed yeah. in this area, West Georgia, yeah. basically the middle of nowhere Georgia, <laughs> out here. And we two years in a row, we get these guys that not only they do they want to be here and pour into the students and leaders, but they want to be a part of being poured into with yeah. the worship. So that's really cool. I hey man, love but God's that. doing something. Everybody always says, oh, out in Villarica, West mm-hmm. Georgia, Carrollton. But God's doing something We're on the map, here, baby. Dude. We're on like, the map. I'm really shocked at the diversity I saw. Um, Clark Kent and the worship those guys brought. Man, it was just his worship team looked like the – you know, the United Embassy or something. There was just about every culture you <laughs> could on. see up in there. Yeah. Dude. And I was like, this is West Georgia? Yeah. And I just thought it was going to be fish hooks in the hats and stuff. And not that there was anything <laughs> wrong with that. But to see, I saw fish hooks in the hats, but I also saw African Americans. I saw skinny jeans. I saw hip hop. I saw Wranglers. I saw camo. I saw black, white. I saw biracial. I saw Hispanics. I was like, what? I, yeah. I, I mean, I just wasn't expecting that much to diversity here maybe yeah. in atlanta i would but i was like man this west georgia is still kind of known for being more similar to certain parts of alabama there than it yeah. is atlanta area and so i was really floored it was like god was saying quit stereotyping boy you don't like for people mm. to profile you mm. and so don't be profiling my kingdom um i could move in the most rural country of areas and still move those people's hearts yep. no matter what they were brought up thinking the gospel as we heard this morning, the gospel changes everything. I've always said, me and Kyle talk about this all the time. Uh, I, I've always wanted West Georgia to be a place that people don't drive through, they drive to. Yes. And, and, and you know, did Villarica finally get a Starbucks just this past year? Absolutely. <laughs> we're on the come up. But it, it, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm so glad you said that because a lot of people don't take notice or they'll yeah. hear about West Georgia. When I drive people to my church that are from uh, the Atlanta area. Yeah. It's always like, are you are you taking me to kill me? Yeah, you know, that's exactly. what I get every time. I'm like, no, no, no. There's a whole world out here. Trust I'm me. Going to a clan meeting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. taking me, bro. Yeah, exactly right. It is. Uh, it is very. It is interesting. The the diversity out here is is something that a lot of people don't expect. Yeah. And, and so when you say that, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but let me get. I I totally lost track. I know no one's surprised. But the the other side of that coin. So yes, making yourself available is important. Yes. But then I, what I want people to realize, and again, go ahead, tell. 
tell these listeners, how often are you on the road? Let's say, like, break it down weekly. Like, how Ooh. often are you on the road? <laughs> oh, no. Some of them may go, he's a horrible father <laughs> and husband. Uh, uh, it, it just depends, man, on the season, man. Um, you know, um, this year, the beginning of this year, a little bit heavier um, because my wife's going to go through some surgeries, and I'm going to plug this. If you are a female out there um, and you have any history of breast cancer, even if you don't, please go in for your normal checkups. Mm. And um, my my wife did this, I don't even say it right, BRCA1 thing, and um, she, it came back positive. Her mother died about eight years ago of breast cancer and, and things. and That's what ignited it. I don't know if that's what killed her, but um, so she, in the next couple of weeks, she's going to have um, double mastectomy. And so this oh, wow. year, I'm pretty much gone every weekend until April 16th of her surgery. So, oh, wow. so basically for eight, nine weekends straight, I'm gone from like Thursday through Sunday. And, um, and then I'll take six to eight weeks off and be there for her. And yeah. I've never taken more than three weeks off of work in the last 15 because of the ministry. Things are going well, and this is how we eat. If I don't yeah. work... I'm not on a salary, so if I don't work, we don't get a check. We yeah. don't eat, and uh, and so. But um, the God's been good; and He's providing, and the church is going to be there to take care of us. I'm sure. But I'm gonna take at least six weeks off and be there for my bride as she heals, because we have a three year old and a six year old. Wow. And so, um, that's that's where we are with with that. And I don't even know if I co- I completely forgot the question. No, no, no. And, you're um, good. But um, I mean, basically, you added to my point, though. I mean, you're you're busy. Yes. You have a lot going on. You're in a lot yeah. of different venues, a lot yeah. of different places, conferences, Dean House camps. Yeah. The other side of that coin that I want people to realize is that, yes, you want to make yourself available, but when it's that week, because everyone's got an off day at work, Al. I mean, everyone does. I mean, I can come up here on a Tuesday and and have a staff meeting that I felt like went too long or something, or or maybe uh, someone popped off to me on a Wednesday night and Thursday. That's all I'm thinking about. Yeah. You know, I'm not on the road as much as you are. Yeah. So when you have that, let's say, bad day at work, and, and work for you is evangelism and traveling. And you get that sort of response like, man, I thought this guy was going to come. Because you got to put it on every time. I know. I yeah. mean, I don't think people realize yeah, that. I you can't have a bad – I cannot have one bad event. Because it affects you. Because uh, those guys will spread word because I do no social media. I was going to bring that on, up. Yeah. I am not on Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I don't do any of that stuff. I've never have. I've never had a Facebook page. I've he never. Said, if I could, you, Al said to me yesterday, I don't even know what Facebook looks like. I don't even know what it looks <laughs> That's like. What I, he said. I don't know if I've ever really seen a full Facebook page. Somebody showed me glimpses of times of things posted, but I've never really seen it. I wouldn't know how to even get on one. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, I'm already this busy as it is, and we've been blessed that we have been booked up for about two and a half years. So we're just now having to book we've almost been booked for three years since 2016 till now wow. and usually if i got six months of work i think i'm blessed so i'm floored that god gave me three years of time where i just didn't have to stress out at all about well i never do i didn't have to worry about any work for three years because it was booked and um, but something i've had to learn i don't even have social media or do those things and i still have to manage my time well with my family yeah from just preaching and traveling and doing ministry I have to get home, and my wife will tell you, I'm not always great at it, but I'm getting better at turning off my cell phone and just realizing when I get home, that's when my real ministry starts. Because mm. it's easy to hype it up for people and love on them and then get home and take it off on your, take it out on your family because you're tired. You yeah. feel like this is my domain, so when you get home, you want to relax sometime, but then you realize, I can't relax. Yeah. 
you know, and my wife, love her, man, love her. But people are like, man, does your wife just, she probably thinks it's awesome being married to you. You're all over the world. You're hanging out with amazing people. What happens when you get home? I said, I'll tell you what happens. My wife hands me them kids. <laughs> and she takes <laughs> off and goes, does something. Yeah, she yeah, go yeah. get her nails done. She's just going to go shop, go go for a drive, anything by herself. Because she has been with them kids and they will drive you crazy. And so I'm no rock star at my house. I'm just daddy and husband and I'm a servant. So if you come to my house, I'm probably going to be playing with my boys. They don't know that I'm anything big. They just think that's daddy who likes to play Hot Wheels and watch me <laughs> ride my bicycle and don't mind getting dirty. That's really all I am. So my home is a place that reels me in because if you really want to know what a man's like, you got to talk to his spouse. Amen. You know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, yep. because that's where your real ministry is, is at home. And I don't always do it well. And I'm, I'm be the first to say it. I'm still learning how to serve my family as best I can and not get so caught up in ministry. So I've had to learn, mm. Austin, if I can say this, Pastor, I've had to learn to delegate, man. And it's hard. Yeah. Because people used to say to me, why can't you do our event? People are going to hell. And, man, it would hit me hard. I thought, man, they're kind of blaming me. People are going to be lost. And then I had to realize God hadn't called me to save the whole world. Mm. He's called his church to be about getting the gospel to the world. I'm just a small part of the church. And, yeah. and I'm just a piece that fits in with the church. But he hadn't put the pressure of the lost souls of the world on me. Mm. So I don't have to be upset. It's a that, shared burden. Yes. I don't have to be upset that if your friend dies without Jesus, they ain't on me. Yeah. <laughs> it's your friend. You tell them about Jesus. I mean, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And uh, so I've had to learn to get that guilt away because people would say, yeah, you're a man of God and you don't want to do this event. I thought you said you had that date open. Yeah, but I've been gone for eight weeks. I want to give my family a weekend. Mm. Well, well, people need the gospel more than your family does. I said, ah, my family needs to see the gospel first in me. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy who's famous preacher, but my kids grow up despising me. Mm. Everybody else thinks daddy's a rock star. Man, can he preach? He's all over the place. He's hanging out with celebrity worship guys. And then my sons are like, great. Glad y'all all think he's awesome. Mm. We don't see much of Pops. He's out trying to save the world, and he ain't watching us grow up. I just don't want to be that dad that cares more about that than I do about the very kids that God's called me to shepherd more than anything. That is a very interesting balance that you have to find. I was going to ask you about it, but I feel like you've already answered how to balance that out because you're still learning. Oh, and I don't think there is a formula. I but, mean, it's like anything. I'm sure there's tons of people that will say, hey, Al, tell me how to tell me how to balance work and, and my family. I mean, we could give them – yeah. Every piece of paper, every book, every You'd be rich if you could tell them. You could write that book Absolutely. how to have perfect balance. You would top Rick Warren and all those guys. You would make you would make millions and millions, and then you could build you a fifteen thousand square feet house. <laughs> oh man, y'all get that? Bang bang, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, a jet and everything. I love that, um, man. It's been so cool having you on here. So, Thank what you. I want you to do is one of the things that you've uh, you've spoken to is you do this this thing that you founded yes. and it deals with sex trafficking yes, and your fight against that. Yeah. Please speak to that. Cause that's such an important issue. Well, dude, I really appreciate you letting me plug that because it's near and dear to my heart. We have been fighting against human trafficking, human sex trafficking, um, since we started this ministry in 1994. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, I couldn't get anyone to support me. Y'all, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. So those of you, who are from Georgia should find that laughable that in 1994, even earlier than that, in the 80s, I was asking churches to help me 
They all said that I was a manipulator. There ain't no trafficking in the, in, the, in the Bible Belt, especially in Atlanta, Georgia. I would get told that it's number one in the U.S. for trafficking, y'all. And this is where I, I first encountered it. And I, I thank God for passion and out of darkness and all these ministries now that really have a good grip on it. But they were not anywhere in the picture in 1989 when I was doing it and 94 when we start this ministry. And we just couldn't get people to support us. So I'm humbled now. I'm not upset. I'm glad it's got some some traction and that you have to be living under a rock to have not heard about human trafficking or sex trafficking and um, please, man, we need support. We need help. Um, we have we have 22 um, safe houses around the world. We're actually going to be working on two more this year to celebrate uh, 24 years of fighting it. And um, so please support us. If you get a chance, go to our website, www.awakenintl.com, or just Google my name, Algernon Tennyson, and then reach out to us. Um, especially if you're listening to this podcast and you are from the Atlanta, Georgia, or the state of Georgia, and you would really like to do some ministry in your backyard con- uh, pertaining to um, trafficking and rescuing and saving young lives. Um, we mostly now are international. 95% of what we do is international because we didn't get a lot of traction. We fought it, but we just couldn't get a lot of support. And so it's been more talked about international before it has here in the States. Now in the States, it's talked about a lot. But people used to think Pastor, that was something in other countries, yeah. third world countries and stuff, not wealthier countries, but it's actually more prolific in wealthier countries because it takes more money to sustain it than it does drug trafficking. You can find a homeless guy who's an alcoholic, but that homeless guy can never be a physical sex addict because it costs a whole lot more money to get uh, a lady of the night than it does to go get a $3 beer from, from the, you know, convenience store. And so, um, so pray for us. It's, it's a tough world to be in. And I question God all the time. Why are you letting me do this? Cause guys, if you, those of you don't know me, I'm a six, four and a half guy and I'm about 340 pounds. And sometimes I want to knock a fool out instead of pray for him. <laughs> yeah. And it, sure. it takes so much self-control for me not to hurt a man who I see doing inappropriate things yeah. with girls who haven't even started their cycles yet. Wow. That will get under your skin and make you feel some anger, some righteous anger, maybe not always righteous anger, some anger as a man you've never felt. So pray for me because I'm human. I am not the Christ. Yeah. I am just a Christian, a Christ follower. And uh, it takes every bit of faith I have in the Lord, every trip I make to do this because I weep after every trip because of some of the things God has allowed me to see. And I, I, my last thing on the challenge, um, Pastor Austin, is men. The real root of getting to trafficking is getting to the heart of men because 98% of the victims are females. Mm. And it starts all, when every time we rescue a girl – all you're doing is breaking branches. They're going to replace her with two to three more. Mm. The real root of the issue is perversion, pornography. So if you want to get to the root and start really make a real dent in the world of porn and trafficking, you got to get to the hearts of men, not just lost guys, but they say 90-something percent of Christian guys in some form or fashion struggle with lust, uh, pornography, some type of perversion and if it's that rampant in the church, how can we blame the world? They don't have the Holy Spirit. 
We claim to have the Holy Spirit. And so please join with me if I can ever team up with you guys and we can do men's outings and stuff where we can just pour. When I say men, I'm talking about all men. I don't care if you're 10 years old. We can pour the word of God into you and begin to renew our minds because Job made a vow to the Lord to never even look lustfully upon a woman. Mm. Go and read it, y'all, in the book of Job. Far as we know, he kept that vow to the Lord. He said, Lord, I make a vow to not even look upon a woman in a lustful way. It never says Job dishonored that vow. Job's a hero to me that as a straight man, he made a vow to God. Lord, I'm going to do all I can to not even look at a woman in a lustful way. I don't know if I'm quite where Job is. I'm praying I can get to that place. But for him to say that sincerely, that I'm never even going to look at a woman in a lustful way, you knew he meant it and he wasn't just saying something sweet to the Lord. He was saying, God, I want to do this because I love you. If we as men of God could have that mentality, Lord, help us to not even look upon a woman in a lustful way, the impact we could make in the trafficking world. If we can begin to renew our minds and have that kind of mindset to where even a lustful thought, we're we're, we're kicking ourselves that we even looked at a woman other than our brides in any kind of intimate way, then we would stop a lot of, we would really begin to see such an impact in that world. Man, I love that. I'm so glad you're fighting that fight. And it is, I mean, it is, a lot of people would say it's a losing fight. I don't think it is. I think it takes the right people. It takes the right amount of uh, knowing about this because a lot of people, it has become a hot topic. Yes. That is absolutely the case. And like you said, back in the 80s and 90s, no, it was not. No. It was almost people afraid to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even mention it in a church. Matter of fact, I had a church get on me that I called it sex trafficking. So if you notice on our on our um, banners we had, we did not have sex trafficking on the banners. It just said human trafficking because we realized in the church, a lot of churches was like, that's an inappropriate word for you to say in the church. And so we kind of got in trouble a lot of times when people say, hey, man, you can't be saying sex trafficking in the house of God. And I'm like, that's interesting because if you ask any minister, 90% of our counseling is either dealing with sexual issues, infidelity, um, unfaithfulness, or money. Those are the two biggest things you do counseling with in the church. And it seems to be the two things we have to um, act um, that aren't there and have to pretend they aren't there. Imagine if you could be real in the church. (laughs) I know, dude. Come on. It's not every church, but I mean. Seriously. I like those new models where they say um, no perfect people allowed. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I love that when a church will say no perfect people allowed. This This is a real gospel for real people with real issues. Because we had we served a real tangible God who yeah. touched people where they were. Yeah. And think about all the people Jesus encountered. Some of them had sexual issues. The lady with the adulterous issue. Yep. Uh, obviously, there was a man in that issue. They didn't talk about him, but he had an issue with sex, too, because it takes two to tango. But, you know, <laughs> and uh, there were all kinds of issues. People had yeah. leprosy. People were sick. People were all kinds of issues going on. And Jesus met them where they were. He didn't say, can't talk about that. And he just met them where they were. And the Bible says those he forgave the most love him the most. Usually those people end up being his biggest soul winners because they saw their depravity and they knew how messed up they were. Some of the most passionate Christians you'll meet are ex-gang members, yep. mafia guys, drug addicts. My ultimate dream, Pastor Austin, is to, to see a pimp come to know the Lord, mm. or to lead one to the Lord and have that guy go with me release his girls and go back with me and start sharing the gospel to the very people he oppressed. Wow. I've never heard of it to this day. So some of you have heard that testimony, a true pimp. I heard a guy told me once he, he was a pimp, but he just, that was in his mind. He was, he had no girls. And I'm talking about a true pimp who was out there. He's making millions, tons of money, tons of girls. And he gets radically saved. That is my ultimate 
dream and desire, but ask the Lord for it. God, can I see that before you bring me the glory? Can I see one true, brutal, popular pimp out there get radically saved? And then he ends up becoming an evangelist to the very type of people he used to oppress. That would be that would be incredible. And if we find him, if we could just get him on the show, that would be <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a story right there. Yeah, that, we that could... would be because I haven't heard that. I've heard mafia guys, I've heard ex gang members yeah. and cartel people, and I've heard of ex Muslims and all this stuff. But I have yet to hear the testimony of a true ex pimp, a legit yeah. pimp, not yeah. a guy who wanted to be one or thought he was one, but one who was well known, had made tons of money, tons of girls get radically saved and leaves all that behind to start what knows career because what's he going to do most of them aren't college educated so that is his life but to see a guy say i'm willing to give up money wealth this lifestyle to serve jesus i'm I'm gonna lose it all to gain everything in christ i want to meet that brother because that's my ultimate passion to see and dream to see it starts when the the church starts getting real about this stuff sometimes and and this will preach for anyone that's really listening sometimes the Bible seems to be more real than the church will be. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. If you can't get as real as the Bible is, you're missing the point. Think about it, Pastor Austin. I had somebody say to me, don't mention sex trafficking. In that case, don't ever get them to read the book of Song of Solomon. Yeah. That thing yeah. is intimate. Now they, <laughs> I mean, he's he's talking about her body parts and things, yep. and it's in the scripture. So God created it. It's not a big old bad word. It's just that <laughs> Satan has taken it and perverted it. But Satan doesn't create anything. So I'm sorry, church. Sex was not created by the devil. <laughs> it was created by God. I mean, he, he created that. And and it's his making. It's not of the devil. Satan twists and perverts things to where we can't even talk about things that God actually designed. Yeah. So shame on us um, when the Bible will mention those things and talk about romance and intimacy and this beautiful courtship between a man and a woman. And those are one the two things we don't want to talk about. Yeah. In the church, and so no wonder our relationships are as bad. Christians are getting divorced as as much as unbelievers. Yep. Our relationships exactly. I are just as bad. As on that. Yep. Did you really? Yep. Our relationships, they say, are just as bad as theirs. You yep. got Christians who've been married two, three, four times. At some point, the church is going to stand up and be an example of what relationships are supposed to look like. But I'm praying for a revival. But I'm praying it particularly amongst men. I'm praying that God would break out a revival amongst men that we've never seen in our lifetime. I told y'all he could preach. I try to tell you, man. I mean, he'll bring it. Al, I've loved having you on here, my friend. I've loved this so much. Proud of you, man. I I appreciate that. All five feet two of you, brother. I love you, man. (laughs) Dynamite comes in small packages. All right, that's it. Thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, um, I was going to plug your stuff. I'm taking it all out now. You've hurt me. Al, let me, uh, because we're about to get out of here. Al and I just came off of a D-Now. We just got done with church. We were recording this, I mean, right when church got over. We have not eaten. Yes, we're starving. I am currently living off of three days of six coffees, four Red Bulls, and a moon pie. So I've got to, I'm going to get some food in both of us here in just a second. We're about to go eat some lunch. I want to add this, though. Something really cool. I didn't know this, but when we were at D-Now, Al, if he comes to your event, and I encourage you to bring him to your event, and we're going to plug that here in just a second. But when Al does these events, he has a merch table, as most of these evangelists do. What's interesting about Al's merch table, which is gigantic, by the way, and full <laughs> of tons of great stuff, all of that money goes where? It goes back to our outreach with human sex trafficking. That's awesome. Yeah. We have to, man. you got you got to give back. We're trying to teach the girls, too, that you can do something other than give your bodies away. 
God's giving you brains. Mm. And don't let the enemy come in and tell you that's all you are good for. And um, because that's the lies we say, what, straight from the pits of hell. It is. And so if I'm going to teach them during the summer, we actually make them make things for us. Bracelets. They'll go diving and get pearls and shells and we'll make jewelry and things out. So we're teaching them to get back. Like, don't just be sitting here for, for a handout. God's not trying to start some spiritual welfare system. He, he's made you an overcomer, not someone who's begging. The Bible says God's never left his, or his children, the righteous, forsaken or begging for bread. Mm-hmm. God provides for him. So we, we teach these girls that we'll need handout because our God's going to provide for us. And he's giving you the ability to take care of yourselves. Yeah. And so we sell merch and stuff. They, they help me come up with designs for shirts and colors for stuff so that they realize they're, they can see their handiwork themselves and see that, wow, we help do that. Mm. This had nothing to do with our bodies. It had everything to do with our creativity, had everything to do with the artisticness that God has put in everyone. And they can begin to see that and get excited about things in them that have been oppressed, suppressed and never been able to come to fruition. And once they can see that, they begin to dream. And those girls overnight can have desires and passions and smarter than most people I've met in my life overnight. It's amazing how God can ignite some creativity in them when they begin to see the fruit of their labor. And so everything we do at that table, we give it back to the parents that are working the homes. Every safe house we have, having a married couple that live on the facility and take care of them. Well, we have to take care of them. They can't take care of themselves. So we're providing for them. We're providing merchandise, clothes, training, um, medicine, doctor's visits, all these things. As you can imagine, 90-something percent of girls are bringing some type of STD or something yeah. that they're carrying, yeah. and uh, and we have to make sure they get medical help and these type of things. And so all of that goes toward that and their education and taking care of our host um, our host moms and dads that are there loving on the girls 24-7. I'm not. I, I get... I don't get to see them all but a couple of years because I'm trying to visit two or three homes a year yeah. and we got 20 something of them. So add that up. And uh, so thank God we got staff that are there around the clock loving on them, doing the real work. Even though my name gets thrown out there, they're the ones grinding every day with these girls. Because if you imagine Pastor Austin, they bring a lot of issues, man. They don't get they don't get healed just because you get them off the streets overnight. Yeah, There's a lot of trauma, a lot of lack of trust, a lot of violent tendencies, uh, it, it's really a lot of work to see them become true followers and disciples of God. It'll take years of us working with each girl before you begin to see some real evidence and fruit um, in their lives. Man, that's awesome. I'm, I'm loving what you're doing now. I love partnering with you, doing ministry with you. You're a good friend. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm just loving every single thing that you're doing. Well, thank you. I know you're not on social media. No, sir, I'm not. I cannot relate nor resonate. <laughs> but I can't say I respect it. So if people want to reach out to you, how can they do it? How can they book you? How can they get to know you? Just like I said earlier, just go to our website, um, Awaken. Just go Awaken International Ministries. Look that up, or go to www.awaken. That's a w a k e n i n t l dot com, and uh, and you can look up us our website, or you can go to Premier Speakers Bureau, and they also. Um, book for us and and do management for us so you can either look us up from premier speakers bureau or you can go to our own private website and there you can either just go old school and call the office line there on the website and uh, and then have one of the ladies um direct you to uh, a scheduling 
appointment there and see if we can make it happen. We'd love to come and serve and, and love on your church Sunday morning, youth things, young adults, men's outings, you name it, man. We'd love to come and do it. God's blessed us. We're not lacking work, so we're okay. We're not going to be upset if you don't. But we would really love to come to some as many new venues as possible and connect with the kingdom of God and, and encourage the church to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Guys, our next guest coming on is a rapper. That's all I'm going to say right now. If you want to know more about that and see behind the scenes, you can follow us at YSM Podcast on Instagram. We are working on a website. A lot of you keep saying, where's your website? Where's your website? Where's your Facebook page? Where's your Twitter? Well, we're working on it. I'm one man and I'm just a preacher. So it's all coming down the pipeline. I cannot wait for all these big things that are going on. But follow us at YSM Podcast and see behind the scenes. You'll get to see more about our upcoming guest. That's Big Al. I'm Austin Williams. Peace out. Thank you. Your story really does matter whether you agree or disagree. It's all for him. Al, thanks for being on. Thank you, brother. Thanks, guys.